2: This is Everything Elite, presented by my bookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron, joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey,
3: y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike. I'm doing pretty well. You know, it was... I, I feel like that we're going to have pretty divergent views on tonight's episode, but you know, I'm just glad to be here sitting with my friends, talking about wrestling that at least sounds interesting in comparison to whatever an a kid is like i'm still i i'm still conver- convinced of that that a kid is a giant uh plant by the way i believe that's a of, but uh aaron how are you doing
2: uh i'm doing shitty uh, i got a big uh brief doing the sixth circuit on monday and it's just always a miserable time uh we to have to do that kind of stuff so uh that's pretty much it but it was at least uh, kind of warm here today so that was a slight mood boost yeah you, you know it, it, it,
3: we had there was snow on the other side of the mountains today but it was in the,
2: the 60s today for me so yeah, we got up to about it's pretty 60. nice uh we're also joined by another man who enjoys when the weather hits the 60s it's nate aka Epitasis. what's up nate
4: um hi hi guys I, I feel like you're uh you're making a representation on my behalf that i don't know if i've signed off on i don't know uh, that I've I've given you permission to tell our fine listeners that I enjoy the weather in the 60s. Um, I'm gonna have to think about it. I do like when the weather gets up to this. So you're right. You're right about that.
2: Yeah. See, sometimes I just nail it. So.
4: Yeah. You got. I mean, you know, don't push it. You got lucky this time.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I got a.
4: I got the the video game awards currently happening. So we'll get our live reaction to the new Smash Brothers fighter being announced. Aaron. Now, last time I asked you this, you did not get the next two Smash Fighters, which, of course, were Min Min and Steve. So what is your pick for this year's Game Awards Smash Fighter? Uh,
2: This year, I'm thinking uh, Tony Hawk is my first pick. Okay. And my second pick is um, uh, Sting. Tony Hawk and Sting are my two choices for this year.
4: That would be exciting. I would pop pretty big for Sting as I did on this television program.
2: I th- those uh, are those are I two mean, strong picks that they're in the uh, they're in the Zeitgeist right now. I mean, I think I think you guys need to make some uh, predictions also.
4: Uh seems like a lot of the discourse is uh uh has decided that it's going to be Jonesy from Fortnite. I did not know that Fortnite had actual characters. I thought it was all just Yeah intellectual property tie-ins uh but apparently there's a much larger lore and uh backstory to fortnite um so i'm gonna go with that just for lack of better uh, idea
3: i'm gonna say goku Just gonna say goku you know it seems inevitable that goku will be
2: in super smash brothers so
3: goku goku
2: all right i, I mean i like all those i like any of those choices But hopefully, it'll be Tony Hawk and Sting, and I will reign supreme for another year.
4: Hopefully, it will be Sting riding on Tony Hawk's shoulders on a skateboard.
2: (laughs) That would be ideal. That'd be good. Um, I'm not predicting which Sting it's going to be, okay? I don't want to get that granular here. It it could be be the
4: insane icon, it could be the crow, it could be uh, the surfer of the police.
2: No, no, it will not be Sting of the Police. Oh, okay. No, uh, could be Surfer Sting, could be, uh, you know, when he was tag team partners with the Ultimate Warrior, Sting, yeah, Flash
3: um, Blade Runner.
4: Is that what it was? Yeah, Ultimate Warrior was the Dingo Warrior, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And then, yeah, the Blade Runners. Is
3: That's
4: that their they... team name. Yeah.
2: yeah, his his original gimmick was Flash, Flash Sting. the Blade Runner. Or he
3: could, you could have Power Team USA Sting. True.
2: We, this is all going to be covered on "This Is Sting," a two-part episode. How much not to get be into... confused
4: with "This Is Sting," a one-part episode
2: <laughs> That's that is right. only about Sting. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad there's
4: a second fake Sting now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, we could also do uh, Jeff Farmer. Uh, Jeff Farmer. I couldn't decide what his last name was. I mean, there's a lot of
3: ways to go with this. I mean, I do fully expect a really deep. Uh, retrospective of all the members of power team usa when you do this starting off with like ron bassman going all the way through
2: we should do a month of content that is just sting sting fake sting and one other sting related sting of
4: musician content. of the police oh yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> you
2: can get uh you can get case
4: low on the show or something
3: yeah sting month talk about desert rose I,
4: desert I like rose that was a weird. That was a weird single, huh? I,
3: I, I always think that that's like a Buick commercial because I think it, the most my most exposure to that song was through like a Buick Continental commercial. It
4: was definitely a luxury car commercial. Uh, I think he went around doing a bunch of interviews around that time talking about his tantric sex. Right. Yes. Talking about how we'd yeah. have forty-eight hour orgasms and all this nonsense.
2: Yeah, that was big. Uh, the yeah. early two thousands were wild. They were.
4: Really, every time is wild in its
3: own way. That's what when, I've come to learn. Uh, when when ju-
2: Biscuit ruled the world.
3: No, uh you know what time really wasn't wild? Probably nineteen fifty one. That that's pre Korean War, right?
4: Nineteen fifty one. Yeah. Ooh, a quantic dream game. I will also be doing just live reactions to logos and company names. <laughs> sure. I'm I'm the world's last David Cage stand, except for the problematic things that he does in his employee to his employees. Sure. Uh, and to the people he casts in his video games. But as far as producing the video games, I'm down. This doesn't look as exciting. Anyway.
2: I mean, there was the uh, Bolivian coup in 51. So, you know, be careful.
4: I hate to see Mike erasing Bolivia here on the program. <laughs> I
2: apologize.
3: I hear you. I hear everyone. And I will strive to do better in the future. That's what I'm saying. Every
4: time every time is wild in its way. Mm. It's, uh, how about that for an aphorism?
2: Well, if you want to find out more about our current times and how wild they are, go follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. Uh, I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. On the podcast app of your choice. Give us a five-star rating and review. If you use the Apple podcast app, tell a friend. There's lots of new people apparently watching AEW. So tell a friend uh, to check out everything elite. And if you want to support the show, Uh, You can do so in uh, two main ways. Go head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe uh, or head over to my bookie and use the promo code elite to sign up. Okay, well, let's get into uh, our picks for, you know, what we really liked and didn't like this week. I was kind of down on the show, so I'm I'm interested to see what you guys thought. Uh, I know, I don't know if you're going to try to do this to me in the elite, but I know Nate and I will fight on this episode. There's no doubt about that. So well, I I can't
4: do it in my elite certainly. No,
2: no, I no in in elite of course. Um, Nate, your favorite pick from the show this week, your elite pick.
4: So we talked a lot of last week about them booking a lot of angles, surprises, ongoing storylines that were sort of pushing forward, uh, and putting those on the winter's coming show with the Moxley and Omega match to try and drive presumably some forward interest in the show and you know attract the eyeballs for that match and push the angles forward so that they can theoretically grow that weekly television audience and make that their main, you know, sort of income source. Uh, it seems like the ratings bore that out. Uh, and I, I think I kind of want to give some credit to the like sort of larger picture booking, uh, at this time in this sort of story arc or in this sort of in between, I guess, quarterly arc of the promotion. Uh, and I'll apply that specifically, I think to the MJF inner circle, storyline that they're working with. I was kind of trepidatious going into the storyline. Uh, you know, they had a pretty good thing going with the inner circle uh, and involving MJF in that just seemed like, you know, maybe this is gilding Lily. Maybe this is overstuffing the stable. But I think they've moved it along at a good clip, and they really, I think, on this show did a good job of sort of advancing the conflict. Uh, specifically, they had Sam Guevara not only issue the ultimatum to MJF, but got right up in Chris Jericho's face, which I think heightened it in a more exciting way. Um, it uh, perhaps, you know, this perhaps might've landed even better if MJF had beaten Matt Hardy in the feud. I'm sorry. If Sam McVar had beaten Matt Hardy in the feud that he just had with him and lost for no reason. Uh, but it was just good to see sort of, you know, the young guy staking out his spot and putting his face and his finger and, you know, the guy leading his stable and the legend of the promotion chris jericho uh, and i that kept me interested and uh you know we don't always we don't always give a lot of props to these mjf and inner circle talk segments and furthermore the segment was actually good because Wardlow showed that he has uh big dave batista energy uh and brought the acting chops and is hugely entertaining uh and what was like his most meaningful spoken lines which was maybe two lines on this program so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it up to that angle, I guess, in the context of larger picture booking.
3: Yeah, the, the one thing I'll say that they've done an incredibly strong job of over the last few weeks and how they kind of came off of full gear is they've kept everything moving. And it's something that I feel like that there was a problem, especially in the early days of Dynamite, where you would have episodes where it's just very clear. It's like, oh, we have stuff that we're going to get to, but not yet. We're just going to fill time this week's episode, although there are certain things about it that I'll get into in my delete that kind of irked me in a way, but I feel like that this was a show that even for how long the show felt at times, it really, like, that they are spinning a lot of plates, and I think they did it in a, in a really strong manner, and I think that this, this segment that you chose, Nate, is the perfect example of that, or the embodiment of that, because you have Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, where in other companies, that would have been a, a chance for the uh, The veteran the leader to either emasculate or just completely cut off their underling at the knees but instead jericho for once in the last like 18 months decided to be very understated about uh, sammy kind of stepping up and then you know wardlow is just someone that whenever you see him on screen and, and it's like not even like a hunk factor thing but he has like a certain like aura that like your eyes are drawn towards him and now that he has like that now they had the moment with Jake Hager easily the best moment of Jake Hager since the uh, videos about him trying to go for the TNT title with the undeclared Miss America Catalina Hager this was like the most interesting thing that Jake Hager has done in the promotion and the interplay between the two of them where they're both just staring at each other and just befuddled about that was all pretty great and then how they ended the the show with the seven of them and now that immediately has uh, something to look forward to next week and I thought that they That was a very solid job of using time, keeping things going, and then finding a chance to elevate some of your younger stars like Sammy Guevara after you've done some damage to him with your booking.
2: Yeah. It was funny that you mentioned that Nader, that you brought this segment up in particular, uh, because I was thinking while watching it, that the way they've handled the, what's ultimately going to be a Sammy versus Jericho story. I think uh, they have, handled that and paced that in such a better way than they did like MJF and Cody or really anything related to Cody. (laughs) So uh, I was, it also occurred to me during this show that like, Oh, they're doing a pretty good job of letting this Sammy thing breathe for once. So uh, that's pretty nice. So I agree. Uh, Mike, your favorite pick, your elite pick from this week.
3: So I think I really like this episode and I know that at least in our discord, that was not necessarily the uh, popular sentiment, but I felt like that everything in ring for the most part, everything that got time delivered and you had a lot of stuff there. Then, I mean, there were a lot of entertaining mic segments. Like there was a lot of stuff happening on this episode. It was a very tiring episode that by 10 o'clock, by about the time they were about to pitch it to the video game movie, that things got exhausting. But I feel like that the show was at its best with the opening match. I felt like that, the Young Bucks and TH2 had probably TH2's best tag match in the promotion and I felt like that it really was the Bucks just, just kind of in their element if it's a little bit of them kind of going back to their tried and true of just doing a pure sprint with someone like Jack Evans who has been doing sprint style wrestling since before it kind of became popularized on the indies of Ring of Honor and then Angelico who is someone who I'm very hit and miss with was able to kind of pull it out. And this was kind of what I was hoping what was going to get, like, in the early days when they announced uh, uh Evans and Angelico. I was like, all right. Like, Angelico is someone that, you know, is known for his one spot that happened five years ago. But they were a fun tag team in AAA. And we got to have, like, this really kind of just fun match that, like, built up other storylines. Now we kind of have – it's not even necessarily, like, a title feud going on. But now we have, like, four tag teams that have a storyline going around them which is something that really outside i would say best friends and Santana ortiz they haven't done a great job with the tag team divisions when it's not been based around the title so i'm kind of happy to see like this overall feud where you have the bucks and seu and then the acclaimed and th2 kind of interplaying together And i feel like that the first 15 minutes of the show was the best for 15 minutes they had
4: yeah um definitely I, maybe the best individual match on the show. I think that's uh, uncontroversial. Uh, I think Angelico is good, actually. He's cool. He does a weird shimmy dance. Uh, I don't think we got that here because they attacked him right away, right? So we might have missed out on that. Uh, I will, you know, just because we brought it up previously on this show a lot. You know, they like to do the spot-filled tag match opening the show to kick things off hot. And, you know, like you kind of lessen the effectiveness of that when you do it every single week in the same spot. So it would just be nice to see the format switch up in some way.
2: Yes, I agree that uh, that this was very good. And it, you're right, Nathan. I think it kind of, I'm like, okay. Basically, when the match comes out, I'm kind of already like, mm, about it because I know what it's about to be. You, but,
4: you know what it's going to be, yeah.
2: Yes, but I did think these teams were able to go above that a little bit, you know, ascend that transcend that, I guess, and make me like perk up and be like, oh, this is actually very good. <laughs> as I was watching it. So and they're they are doing this fun little mix uh with the Bucks as champions where other people are getting involved. You know, we've got this thing with the acclaimed, as you all mentioned. We got this thing with uh with TH2. So I'm glad that they're doing they're going that path and hopefully elevating, you know, there's a lot of talk about how deep this tag division is. But I'm not sure that's true. Like there are a lot of good teams, but I'm not sure many of them have been pushed. I guess is the point I'm making.
4: Yeah, it, it it's the same same like semantic conversation we have about the women's division really. There is a ton of great teams they can use on the roster, they don't have enough time to use most of them. They get like one tag match in the division per show. They don't main event, you know, they have a main event to pay-per-view. Um so yeah, it's a really good tag team division and they treat it seriously, but it's it's hard to say that it's like unequivocally good because it just you know kind of kind of plays second fiddle to whatever Cody's doing or whatever else.
3: How much of that do you think that is? And I think this is different than the uh, women's division uh, overall dialogue. How much do you think it is that they have approximately? It's a it's a hundred twenty minute show. They probably have eighty minutes on screen each each time. Like how much of it do you think that when the third hour comes about, they'll be able to do more? ideally tag team because I do think that th- there is a point to be made that the big difference between everyone saying this is a deep women's division and the and the, the deep tag team division is like Santana and Ortiz for understandable reasons have been kind of sidelined right now and they were in like a big feud over the summer that got a main event of a show and maybe it's something that with the third hour they would be able to do something like that
4: yeah it's um that I mean that's the hope for sure it's always it's hard to say how important the third hour will actually be because it you know a lot of that depends on the fan buy-in are the fans going to think it's important uh and aw can't just decide that so it's not really under their control in some ways um but yeah you know a lot of it is certainly that they have a limited amount of time on television and that's just something they could solve by doing shorter matches up and down the show
2: or yeah also they do have a relatively short amount of time but they also get to decide what they feature in that time so it's not like you can say well what are they going to kick off i don't know but that's that's their job they get to decide like what to do and they could do you know half the show devoted to tag team wrestling if they actually wanted to i'm not saying they should necessarily but they could do that i guess my concern about moving to a third hour mike is they're already talking about trios titles it's like well let's build up the divisions we have before we start uh, focusing or bringing in another division. Uh, no, I mean, that's because fair. I got a feeling there's not going to be a women's trios division, so right, uh, just going to be more spots for uh, the male wrestlers. And it's like, I don't know. I would build up the women's division and the tag division and give it both of those more focus before I would institute a new division.
3: No, I, I totally understand that. And when you look look at the show lineup, you bring up like the you could control what you have there. So you had the Bucks and TH2. You had Blondes versus FTR, which was just a squash win for FTR really uh 10 versus Dustin another squash one kind of I mean there was moments that then you had a trios match you had a squash for Abaddon and then you had the singles main event and it does feel like that you have two matches there for the tag team division but only one of them really was doing anything so I totally get what you're saying there
2: all right my elite pick uh I think I've done enough um gassing up Miro and I'm sure we will later. So I want to talk about Sting as my elite pig, but it's not just Sting who I do think has done a good job since he's appeared in the promotion, but I'm impressed that they have come up with a way to make Sting interesting beyond the fact of him being Sting beyond the fact of him being a legend in the wrestling business. Uh, I'm a little put off by the fact that like Cody has to be involved in the Sting angle immediately. And maybe I'll talk about that later, but you know, at least they have Sting immediately say like, "Eh, I'm not really interested in you. And that gives something to happen down the line, right? So that's cool. He immediately is talking about what he wants to do with Darby. So that's cool. So I just like that they are not resting on the laurels of Sting and not just throwing them out there as, wow, shouldn't you all be impressed? It's like if you tuned into the show, and it appears a lot of people have tuned in to see Sting. So if you did that, they're giving you something to grab onto, and hopefully, if you're tuning in to see Sting, maybe you don't know about Darby Allen, and so maybe they turn you on to Darby, and they turn you into a longer-term fan, or they turn you on to Team Taz, who I think there's going to be, you know, he's going to be involved with Team Taz also as far as the angles go. So I just think they're doing a good job of handling Sting. I want to put that over as my elite pick.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of two minds about this. I I agree that it's Sting is interesting and compelling and like. I don't know. There's something very, I don't know if collected. He's got a composure. He's gotten importance and a confidence that just makes him compelling to watch, which wasn't always the case, I think, with his promos, but he's just like good at them now, I guess. And I do like planting the seed with Cody that it's like, yeah, no, I I understand. You know, I, I thought it was interesting that the, Super overly sweetened crowd, which was turned up way too high in the mix as it always is on these tape shows. Uh, like it felt like mostly like a heel reaction that they put for Cody in there. Like he was not getting, you know, cheers like your Darby was in that segment. Um, but I'm kind of of two minds about it because they advertised really three big talk segments on this show. They're like Sting talks. Sting reveals while he why he's here. And yes, he did that. He said, I'm really interested in this guy who reminds me of me. It's Darby. He's up there in the, in the rafters and they're like, Oh, Kenny Omega talks. Kenny Omega has a big announcement and Kenny did not really have a big announcement. And then there's like, Oh, we hear from Shaq. Shaq's here. Shaq's going to talk. And yes, Shaq talked. They escalated a thing with Brandy. You know, they, they halfway accomplished something there. All those segments were, I think good. But if I'm a viewer coming from the outside and it's, Oh, Sting is going to make, Sting is going to reveal what's happening. Kenny Omega is going to make a big announcement. And then neither of those things really happen. I kind of go, oh, this is why everyone talks about Tony Khan over promising all the time. So that's, that's I kind of enjoyed all the segments, but I can, I can, uh, hey, if, if you can believe this, I can find a way to complain about them also.
3: <laughs> it, it's something that the way that Sting dealt with Cody being shoehorned in was like my big like point of amusement here. Like, I, I completely agree with what, what you're saying, but the idea that it was Sting, who, for, for someone of his age, it always takes me back of his voice is a lot lighter than you expected, a lot more jaunty, and he get, he kind of was out there like your Funkle Steve. Your fun, your Funkle Steve's here. He's the fun uncle, and he takes Cody. He gives him the Christian side hug and, sit, and basically says, I'll see you later, champ. I'm now here for my real thing here, and I thought that that was really kind of amusing, and that's something that... We know that Cody eventually is going to have something to go on with Sting, and that does like plant the thing of if they are as they are sweetening the crowd to make it sound more uh, heelish towards Cody in the tape shows, you could plant a seed there to come back to, and we know that if that's a seed that's planted there for for a reason and with purpose, and then that's going to be a, an interesting basis of, like, oh, I because it's pretty known that Cody idolized Sting. Like, his dad was a wrestler, but Sting was his favorite wrestler. And you can be like, you completely dismissed you when I brought you in here, and that's like Something that they could use as that, but it's just nice seeing Sting in a way that, and it's kind of wild even saying this because given what his last stint was in WWE, but he feels a lot younger in a way. It was like the only one that like my takeaway was, yeah, I know that Sting is is in his late fifties, if not sixties, but he does he's sixty one okay 61 yeah yeah so there we go but like he's 61 and he felt a lot younger and a lot more vibrant in like these two segments than he ever did in WWE during that time period
4: yeah he's definitely a guy who benefits from like oh I never have to show my real my real face because I can be under makeup all the time definitely it you know worked for Liger for years and years and years so
2: yeah I gotta tell you uh, I didn't enjoy this show I mean I I liked the show but it wasn't like my favorite show but having watched two shows this week where big announcements were uh, were teased, AEW certainly did a much better job of making it be something I would probably want to continue watching if I was tuning in for the first time. Versus what Impact put on their TV for two hours, uh, man, what a show that was! So I'm sure we'll talk about that Impact show at some point. If I want,
4: if I want to shout out one more, just to in 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 that in that uh thread and you know in in my point about larger picture of booking uh really i think interesting that they closed this show with miro on top which is i think a good way to drive interest for somebody that's just swooping in to go oh miro's here and he fucking killed these guys in the main event and looked like a badass that's i think exactly the kind of thing that makes somebody go oh i want to see what miro's doing next week so
2: yeah well Interestingly, and I know you didn't uh, do this on, on purpose, Nate, but our listener, Elite of the Week, Aaron Quinn, says, uh, AEW has put effort into spotlighting different heels at the end of their shows, and that makes things feel fresh when the show ends. And I think they certainly did a good job of that. With Miro, who hasn't, I don't think he's gotten this spot before on, on Dynamite.
4: No, and I'm always kind of, maybe it's because they are wisely Sorry, the uh, Smash Brothers reveal is happening now. I think it's Sephiroth. It is Sephiroth. Sephiroth. It's the uh, the namesake of Kenny Omega's finishing move. Sephiroth uh, has joined the battle, and is uh, joining Smash Brothers. So that's so pretty I, sick. I uh, guess you
2: could. I guess you could say that if I had bet on uh, my picks for Smash Brothers, I would have lost. But if I was going to uh, make that bet, I would have done it over at my bookie our good friends over there between the NFL college football and college basketball, there's no shortage of games to watch and bet on. If you're going to do it, make sure uh, you're doing it at my bookie and you're using the promo code elite E L I T E to get a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 uh, bucks. Mike, I guess we should update our listeners that it was yeah. uh, a sad week for the EE E bettors. Uh, as you know, we had our first sharp sharp bet of our lives on George Russell to win the uh, Sakir Grand Prix, and uh, our man led fifty seven laps or fifty nine laps, but he did not lead the eighty seventh lap as yeah. he suffered, I mean, among other things, a puncture with ten laps to go.
3: I, I mean, it was a full on conspiracy against us and the e e heads out here. I was yeah. already, it was like to a point where I was already planning what I was going to be spending my winnings on. It was going to be a Paymaker Posse tracksuit with your old pal embroidered on it, just like how they have in the Inner Circle. I was even thinking about getting a Cody and Fuego cameo, which I was going to use as get them to do the somehow get them to do an intro for the show that way. I was going to do that. Like I was already had this thing here, but complete conspiracy from the FIA, from Formula One, from uh, Tribune Media to Heimler Benz. Oh, let's not get me started about Toto Wolf. Toto <laughs> Wolf is like this, and you you know who is who's also more so than anything else. You you know who I'm going to blame for this? I, I'm blaming uh, Valerie Botas on this.
2: That's fair. I I literally uh, texted uh, my best friend and I told him when when uh, after the fuck where where I remember where we were in the race, but at some point I texted him and told him, as long as George doesn't fuck up and his car doesn't fuck up. <laughs> We're in a good spot, and then the car went to shit. The tires went to shit. So and, anyway, and, and it wasn't just once; it was multiple
3: no. times. And each time, our sweet, uh, absolute boy George Russell, who is wholesome of heart, was drive it was driving that car, and he would have won like multiple times. But yeah, lo and behold, you and
2: know, we would have made three thousand bucks each, uh, thanks to the very good odds we jumped on over at my bookie. Uh, when that news was originally announced so uh, whatever you know about make sure I'm positive that it's on my book you can bet on anything over there so head over there use the promo code elite get a dollar for dollar deposit match all the way up to a thousand bucks uh Nate what I mean do we have more is there more on the Smash brothers uh reveal
4: no there was a big long trailer he did some anime sword moves uh you know pretty
2: sick um that's all I got I get see. I think I'm basically I was right because they are playing into you know this Final Fantasy VII remake coming uh-huh. out, and I just I went the Tony Hawk way instead. You know that's another sure. big remake that's come out recently. I went that way. Could have went Final Fantasy VII and gone with Sephiroth. That would have worked. Yeah,
4: I think it it would maybe complicate the uh, I don't know metaphysical realities of the Smash Brothers universe to add a real life person to it. Um, I don't know what it would mean as far as you know Tony Hawk's uh, publicity rights and his uh, self-conception as a human being on this planet. He seems to have enough problems with people not believing that he's himself, if you've looked at his Twitter. So, uh, yeah, that would that would throw another uh, wrench into the gears,
2: I think. I want to be clear. I have no idea what Super Smash Brothers is. So,
1: so you a
4: video game and you fight little mans and you do, do punches.
2: <laughs> you do punches. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to what we didn't like from the show, our Ooh. delete picks. Nate, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you wish you could have deleted from this show? So, um,
4: you know, Abaddon just not for me. You know, everything doesn't need to be for me. People, you know, I've never been a horror guy. I don't like horror movies. Don't do anything for me. Uh, I am too scared of them. They make me feel bad. Um So, yeah, it's just not for me in general. Uh, I don't, I think it's, I don't know that she's ready as, you know, she's obviously like young and one of their up and coming prospects. So, you know, you kind of want to give her some time to grow. And I'm not super positive that she's ready for getting the one singles match for the one women's match on the show. Uh, And I also just don't think that they're doing any favors when she enters You know, uh, say what you will, like when WWE would shoot somebody's entrance, if they're shooting under the giant's entrance, they're going to shoot him from below. So he looks like a giant. Right. That's like, I guess, the classic example. When they shoot Abaddon's entrance, it's like the cameraman standing on the stage above Abaddon and just shooting down at her back. And it's just like, oh, that's just like a weird girl crawling around on the ramp like a weirdo. Uh, And it just it like immediately pierces the illusion. You're like, oh, no, that's not a super scary you know, female version of the fiend. That's just a weird girl with a bunch of makeup on. So they're not doing any favors in that regard. Uh, I think there is probably a role for Abaddon and a character like that on the roster. Uh, You know, people go wild for that shit. Um, I don't, but you know, it it works for other people, but even, even allowing for that, uh, just doesn't, you know, I'm just not going to be into this feud. Um, so, you know, at least, at least I'm, confident that she is just going to beat her and it'll be done
3: yeah it's something where noting like the taping schedule and the uh, the way that they set up things and, and the way that they've kind of chose like where Abaddon to have matches I don't think they're confident in her as a performer because this was a tape show almost all of her matches so far in promotions have been taped and they've kept them incredibly short if you remember like they did this or they've been edited off so that one, one of the ones that was edited off, of course there was an injury there and you can't really blame anyone for that situation. But it's something where, is it something that Hikaru Shida's title reign is at this place that they don't want to do, I guess, a Britt Baker match and Sprit Baker is now feuding with Thunder Rosa that they don't, because that seems to be like the match that they've been kind of playing up for such a long time. Like the whole idea about Hikaru Shida uh, being one of the people that injure Brit. Like, there's something that they go this, but they decided to go with Abaddon, which, like, I don't think there's... I would be terrifically surprised if Abaddon beats Hikaru Shida whenever I have this title match. Like, that would be one of the more surprising things that they have done as a promotion. And there's just not a lot of stakes there for me, and I just... It will be Hikaru Shida's biggest test, you know, really, because it just does not seem like that this is someone that they have a lot of faith in.
2: Well, I was hoping Nate would go a little harder on Abaddon so that I could really, uh, you know, fire back. Uh, does that sound like
4: me, Aaron? Am I, am I the kind of person that would come on here and say, they need to fire her. They need to yeah. uh, never put her on TV again. It does. It, it does. does? Okay.
2: But uh, I don't know. I've come around on Abaddon, uh, the sheen, as uh, all the cool people are calling her. Um, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say, no, I don't think I've really ever loved these characters either. Then I started thinking about it. It's like, Fucking love Gangrel. Fucking loved Midian and Rath Gangrel. <laughs> Gangrel, right? Uh so I don't know. And I and ooh, when I was a kid.
4: Okay, she should change her gimmick to Gangrel.
2: <laughs> when I was a kid, I definitely loved the Undertaker, so maybe I just do like these gimmicks. It's just the Fiend is bad, maybe. Uh I don't know. But anyway, I've come around on Abaddon and it's like most of the time the women's feuds that we get are just like dumb in some way or just like boring. And at least Abaddon is like fun. (laughs) So I appreciate that. Uh, One thing I, you know, I was just trying to research here to see how old she is and I still don't know Uh, what I could find. I think she debuted as a wrestler in 2019. I I have no idea if she could wrestle. I really can't comment on whether she is a competent pro wrestler. I don't know. Um, But I did discover something that has uh, upset me. I think (laughs) Abaddon is the reason that Shane Mercer is not in AEW uh, because, you know, uh, the Iron Demon, Shane Mercer, announced as weighing 1000 souls and uh, the living dead girl Abaddon also weighs Mm. 1000 lost souls. So Shane Mercer may have to come up with a new gimmick before he can come into AEW.
4: I uh, so you know there there's probably an alternate universe out there where uh, you know Don Callis never makes Jericho and Kenny Omega happen, and uh, the WWE guy underscore never tweets Dave Meltzer about uh, doing a ten thousand seat Ring of Honor show, and Cody takes ooh perfect dark new perfect dark installment that's kind of exciting. Um. <laughs> Those things never happen. The Young Bucks just signed to WWE. Cody goes back to WWE, whatever. And Aaron Bentley is on a podcast talking himself into liking The Fiend. I think that's there's probably a universe <laughs> out there where that's happening. He's like, I don't know. I kind of like The Fiend. <laughs>
2: uh, what? I mean, what kind of podcast would I be doing if AEW never came to fruition?
4: Maybe you're doing Jumping Bomb Audio and uh, oh, TJPW got rid of their zombie girl, right?
2: Or she retired um she was out with an injury i'm not sure if she retired
4: i, can't, I think she retired not has not been around for long.
2: a long time. so yeah
4: there's there's some other spooky gimmicks in there hikari noah just embraces her full love of the occult yeah. and is doing spooky shit and this gives you an excuse to be like i don't know i kind of like the fiend
2: <laughs> is, th- is this an impression of me that is how you <laughs> sound to me yes do I do that high-pitched voice when I'm trying to? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know.
4: That's, I Mike, do it, Mike, Mike got it, too. Nailed it. I'm being
2: attacked right now by both
4: <laughs> of my co hey, This is not you, Aaron Bentley. This is Aaron Bentley Universe 652 or whatever.
2: Okay. All right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Folks, Aaron Bentley's joke
2: of the week. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I really do. Just Now I can't get out of this. Uh, Should I just say my, my
3: delete right now so you can get a nice exit out of there?
2: done uh, good. That's all I want to say. Thank you.
1: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now
3: Okay. I, I get it, Mike. Alright, so something that I I forgot where I first saw this and who to attribute to, I apologize, but they've had a lot of interference in main events lately. And it's something that only when I'm like flipping through my notebook, looking through the cards, it's like we're putting together the show and saying things that it really struck me. So of course there was the whole Schmoz and and Miro coming out this week, last week. Dunkas of course. Before that, we had the whole like breakdown between Death Triangle and Butcher and the Blade which had interference as well. And it's just something that it seems like that I I'm used to a level of interference. Like that just comes with the territory of a lot of the wrestling that I watch. There's a lot of interference and it's just part of the fabric and you just have to be like this is what happens here. But for like AEW, like having this so many weeks in a row and in each one of those having heels won. it's just something that like I kind of noticed I'm like feels like we're getting a lot of interference lately feels like there's like a lot of things and especially given the fact that there's very few DQs I still think that there's only one disqualification in an AEW match so far is it just still just one that the first fall and pack versus Omega yeah
4: yeah uh, but, again, that's kind of cheating because they just don't call them. There right. were a whole bunch of matches in, in the first, like, eight months, especially, where it's like, oh, Orange Cassidy is directly in, in, interfering in front of Rick Knox, and he just doesn't call disqualification. Right. It's, like, not – it's only, like, not a disqualification because they cheated away around it.
3: Right. But it's something that it's – and it's not anything that – and this maybe shows you, like, how high I'm on the show versus – I know Aaron is, but that was the thing that like really bugged me was like, I was like, really like MJF versus orange Cassidy. And it was really like the finish doesn't bother me in a, like in a tunnel. It does not bother me in that way. It just, it's something like when you like take a step back and you look at how shows have been since full gear, I'm like, they're kind of gone to this. Well, maybe one too many times. And if it so happens that this, uh, I don't know, the 14 person tag match that we're getting next week ends with a deep, it ends with Miro running in and then making sure that like Chuck Taylor loses by a roll up to uh, Sammy Guevara then I'll be like alright guys come on but it's just something that I feel like that they've kind of gone to the well to a lot and kind of bugged me as we're now almost 24 hours from the episode
2: yeah you know I've complained about this so much uh, not this exact thing but the fact that uh, people get away with these things and like gain things from interfering that is what uh, upsets me, especially because we know that in canon, Tony Khan is right backstage watching the show. So yeah, then,
4: and, and Jericho uh, you know, enunciated on this episode, we all watch Dynamite.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, so then on Impact, when Tony does the uh, paid ad, he's like, I didn't like the way uh, that Kenny Omega won the title. Well, then fucking do something about it. You run the company.
4: I will say, at least, you know, if they're going to do oh, the referees decision is final, they have never reversed the decision. So you could say, oh, they just can't reverse decisions. That doesn't exist. And they haven't done it. So you can't say that's not the rule.
2: That's true. But you don't have to necessarily reverse the decision. It's just like, you know, obviously this is all, you know, if we assume that wrestling is real, it's like, okay, well, next week you're wrestling John Moxley again. And this time, blah, 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 blah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. but there, there aren't consequences for cheating in this promotion. That's true. <laughs> that's all. I don't like that. Uh, oh, it's my yeah, turn. I
4: think I, I guess the you know again, if I'm arguing, uh, if I'm being the the con advocate, the it's got to be a two syllable the TK advocate. Um, I guess the idea is no, we don't want the office to to get revenge on the heels. We want the baby face to find a way to get back and get their revenge on the heel. Maybe that's the sort of the long term thing.
2: But they should say that as is, is my thing, I guess.
4: You need Tony to, to tell you that. Yeah, I do. Okay.
2: I do. Otherwise it's <laughs> not irritating to me. Um, all right. My pick is I don't know, there's a few things here. It's funny, like as I was going through, like coming up with potential deletes, it's like I didn't really love the show, but there wasn't anything I hated really about the show. Like I thought it was everything was fine, nothing was offensive. Uh I guess the dark order. Uh, This occurred to me, you know, I'm watching, uh, especially the segment with um, Dustin. It's like, wait, we're just kind of, I mean, I know Brody Lee's apparently injured, so he's been gone for some time, but there's never been any mention of that. And The Dark Order is just kind of back to failing to recruit people constantly. It's like, oh, Adam Page. But no, I mean, I know they appear to be doing something with that, but they've been, they've done that before, right? And it's like, oh, we're going to come out and ask Dustin Rhodes to join. And he says no. It's just like, and evil Uno is the leader of the group again, it appears like so it's it's just like dark order has really taken a big step backwards after they had taken a huge step forward, so it just kind of sucks that uh they're stuck in in neutral here
4: yeah i i uh I think you're probably right, it's probably you know hey their leader guy, the guy who's the focus of the stable, he's gone, so they're just kind of regressing to what they're comfortable with i I suppose um. But they do, I you know the sort of focus that Silver in particular has gotten is maybe new, so it, it's maybe tough to navigate elevating that aspect of the group within the larger Dark Order. Yeah, um, it's I don't know the they're also like halfway babyface now.
3: It's a weird unit, you know, and it's not yeah. like a weird in a bad way, but like Reynolds and. Uh, Silver were on the other podcast today and they completely came off as complete baby faces. And I know that it's supposed to be a, a kind of a shoot style interview, but it's something where like you watch like the shoulder content and especially BTE. And it's clear that at least how it's coded there, the, uh, the dark order, huge baby faces basically. And then with everything with them, that they're all kind of dealt with like a certain way that, it seems like they're in like this weird holding pattern. and It's kind of frustrating, especially like next week we have Beaver Boys and Adam Cole tag teaming together. Like, how big would it be for this unit right now? That's basically treading water. I think we all, all three of us, can agree that, with the exception of John Silver, their overall inner circle is treading water. That Perfect, if a, yeah. that if Adam Cole decides to join the Dark Pitch. Order, or sorry, <laughs> Adam you, you Adam Cole. It, you, 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 you know what got me? I was thinking about The Waiting Room on Dark when Dustin Ro- when Dustin Reynolds was just shooting on Adam Cole.
2: <laughs> what is what is Mike doing?
3: Dustin Reynolds? Dennis, Dustin Dennis Reynolds. Reynolds. Dustin Reynolds. Can I be honest Dustin about- Dustin shot on Adam Cole during The Waiting Room with Britt Baker, made references obliquely, actually transparently about her boyfriend. But what would it be like if Hangman Page joined the Dark Order after winning the match next week?
4: Well, I, yeah, I think I would- the interesting thing to probably do is, oh, there's a power vacuum in the Dark Order. You know, Paige comes in, takes over, and then Brody's pissed off at him when he comes back, right? And then you have a feud with Brody and Paige. Um, you know, that, that's not dissimilar from the inner circle, I guess. But honestly, I think the Dark Order angle here was Evil Uno going, hey, remember that seven gimmick? That was funny. You had a number. Let's reference that. That's mostly what it felt like to me.
2: It also, you know, did the the effort of bringing more WCW lore into AEW canon, which I think is a, a valuable project that I uh, support.
4: What it, what we need now is him to join the Dark Order, and he's seven, but his name is Black Rain. <laughs> that was his TNA gimmick, right?
2: Yeah, then we get the Impact tie-in. That'd be and great. then he does
4: Michael Douglas cosplay. Uh,
2: our listener delete of the week is from our good friend Oakgan, who uh, said this? TK, he's deleting that TK can't spring for a helicopter with more than one passenger seat, destroying the illusion that Callis and Kenny arrived together inside it. I should also mention that Oates Elite was them airing this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, ratings time. AW takes another uh, big jump up from 913,000 to 995,000, right on the uh, edge. Uh, you could say they're edging toward a million viewers. If or, you could just not, as easily not say that. Or
3: you can not say Or you could say that they're on the precipice of a million and then <laughs> you don't come off like a creepy
2: pervert.
4: They know you approaching 48-hour-long sting tantric sex orgasms.
3: <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of how this has gone so far, Aaron. Not a fan of the last five uh, not, minutes I'm of the show. I'm actually for it
4: now. I changed my mind. I think Thank we should you. push further on this.
2: <laughs> we're gonna stretch it out a little longer no
3: just... no 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 lo, lo, lo. S- second <laughs>
2: <laughs> i thought they were first in the demo last week mike did i was i no
3: about... uh they were tied that the, they were tied at the hundredths point but that's just because everyone assumed that as like tied for first but ratings it goes further than that it's just that show buzz daily only goes to the hundredth uh, point like if you go to the thousandths like we could say that George Russell qualified at a certain, <laughs> ri- at a certain speed, but when you take it to the sure. thousands, you realize he did not.
2: Okay. That's fair. Uh, but they're up to a point four five in the demo, which I'm hoping you're going to tell us uh, how that ranks all time up from a point four two. You got to keep in mind the week before that, which that was Thanksgiving. So that's unfair. But the week before that, they did a point three seven. So I mean, they're really increasing their demo share here. Uh, NXT, Stayed flat, 659,000, 37th in the demo with
3: a 0.17. Yeah, NXT's flat. Um, it's what it is. Uh, remember like two months ago where I was talking about, oh, there is this plateau. They were on like this plateau that seemed that they were always like at 0.32, 7th in the ratings, and it was kind of stuff like that. They bust through it. Like they're busting right now. And... Oh, they're
4: busting, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: You see, you, see, I, you see, I'm playing in the space that y'all have presented and forced me into. I don't like it, but I will, but I will engage. But, yeah, no, Did so. You it,
2: would you say it make, makes them feel good? Is that a reference? Busting makes me feel good.
4: You went to Ghostbusters? <laughs>
2: yeah. That's where you go in from this? <laughs> yeah. I'm already disavowing
3: episode 102. Just, just by the way. This will get posted and I'll immediately state that it's about, it. but yeah. So
4: talking about the demo, yeah, era, when I think about busting ghostbusters is the last thing in my mind.
3: <laughs> thank you, Nate. Thank you. Th- thank you. Returning a system civility here. Uh, the 0.45 is the best demo since October of last year. And it's tied for a third all time. And, you know, it's something that they've had really big success. And if you take out, um, if you take out the fact that there was one week that they had a simulcast of true TV, and you're comparing it to the first month of the debut. So, the overall viewers is actually pretty close too. so the one that they're at the one that they tied with was October 23rd, 2019. They also had a 0.45, but it was 963,000. So, they're getting back to like close to like the, the whole debut number throw that out there, but they're getting back to the numbers that they had coming fresh off their debut. And that's something that I find pretty remarkable, especially when you compare it to that The Challenge debuted last night, and The Challenge was the thing that won the night. Of course, Leo Rush was on it, but it, it, it's something that's interesting. AEW had more total viewers than uh, The Challenge, but then again, The Challenge is a huge program for people under the age of 35, and, I mean, that doesn't really matter because Tucker Carlson had more viewers on cable than anyone else last night, so whatever. But AEW, the interesting thing is that AEW is up, or even across all the subtmos that we cross about, and it's now beating the last hour of Raw. And women 18 to 49. People overall 18 to 34. That's a huge demo, sub-demo, especially ad-wise. And then women 12 to 34. And they're close to all the other major ad-related de- sub-demos outside of 25 to 40. Or, sorry, people 25 to 54. Which, if you think about it, it makes sense why WWE would still be beating them in that. But that's going to be a interesting thing, of course. those That last point is... F- is a hat tip to Brandon Thurston on that. And you know, it's an it's something where there's a palpable buzz that I don't feel like they've really had in a while. Like it does kind of feel like that the AEW feeling is back out there in a way.
2: Yeah I agree. They're really uh I mean they're edging, it's all I can say. It's all I can say. All right. Let's get into the room. Mike's flipping me off. like
4: Mike, that's a that's a visual swear, bud. <laughs>
2: I thought you didn't like
3: cussing, Mike. I'm just trying to make sure that I never really have to put the explicit tag on this podcast. <laughs> but I think because of the network we're on, it yeah, is automatically. No,
4: we, just, we talked about ejaculation a lot on this episode,
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right, the show started with a pre-tape. <laughs> with Dasha interviewing the Young Bucks. I wrote Dash here, so now I'm thinking about... Uh, Dash in like dash's dress. It's bad. No one's gonna be edging no. to that for sure. <laughs> what? Keep, Are you just keep it moving? Keep it moving. Sorry, I can't. Uh, they haven't seen her talk to Kenny, so basically they're just you know trying to uh, lampshade, as as my good friend Nate would say. Uh, this whole deal with like what's 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 the deal with the Bucks and Kenny? we don't know that yet. It,
4: was, it really would have been easy in a uh, sloppier promotion just for that not to come up. So you're just like, hey, at least they realized we should probably ask the Bucks about Kenny, right? And also creates interest for, you know, toward the main event of the show. Stick around. We're going to find out what the deal is with Kenny, kind of.
2: Which we did not do. Uh, then the Young Bucks defeated TH2. As we discussed, Nick pinned on Helico after the BTE trigger uh after the match the acclaimed are mad that uh jack evans got thrown onto them during the match they tried to come into the ring but scu stopped them so we get a little detour for the acclaimed here
3: great jack bump like it was matt jackson power bombing him into the crowd like it was straight out of spike dudley hours big fan of that
2: Uh, mjf got a little promo he says he doesn't like that orange cassidy doesn't respect the sport uh so he's gonna piss off the smart marks just like everything I hate about MJF promos, basically. All tied into one. Uh, Then JR tells us we're going to get another classic Darby video. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, did we. Uh, He's doing a Rorschach test, but he just sees members of Team Taz. uh, Tells us he wants to take on Brian Cage. The last uh, Rorschach is Sting, and uh, Darby just laughs. It it was weird hearing Darby talk so much in the.
4: It was it was talk heavy for a Darby video. Yeah, uh, I thought it was pretty good though. I thought it, I thought it worked. It,
3: it it was something that was like, oh, they're doing war shock test. Okay, okay, and then basically it was a stamp of a jacked guy, a jacked guy for Brian Cage, and then Sting's face paint. It's like, okay, all right, it, it makes yeah, sense. Definitely good, thought...
4: good concept, appropriate for the character. Yep, makes sense. They're better than the you know Darby promo they would play at intermission where he's sitting in a park somewhere. I'm talking about Evolve doing a long promo. <laughs> To camera with,
2: with champ spray yeah. painted on his car, champ spray painted yeah, on the car. You know,
4: probably, probably have said this a dozen times in the show. Uh, thank god there's some promotion where Darby can do what's appropriate for his character and know what he's doing, as opposed to letting you know the same people who write Roman Reigns promos write for him. Yeah,
2: well, it only seems. Uh, right. On this episode, to remind you that Darby said if he were in WWE, he'd be jacking off in a basement. <laughs> that is true. You're being factual, and Honestly, I do not check that statement. That
4: would be best case scenario. Like <laughs> Jacking off in a basement is like halfway what well works for getting mankind over, and, That's That's and they're true. not that good anymore. WWE can't get people over like that anymore. So he, he wouldn't have been jacking off in a basement. He'd be fucking... Jacking off in a uh, largely populated public area.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at Otis. Otis is basically a, the horniest character they've had on TV in a long time. Imagine what they do with Darby with what they're doing with Otis right now. Darby as an Otis, by the way. Just think about that.
2: <laughs> Hard to imagine. It is. Whew, okay. Uh, Cody is out. He's with Art Anderson, who's in full bike spears, tracksuit hours. Uh, he's going to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone um tony wants cody's reaction on sting appearing in AEW, but the lights go out sting's video plays we get the snow i guess he's just gonna have snow every time well winter has
3: come winter has come come on and like that that that, that's the gimmick
2: that's true i guess we i guess we kind of already talked about what happened here so basically sting says eh cody maybe later talks about darby says he's officially signed with AEW, uh and that uh he, the way he chooses to play is his business and tells Cody, see you around, kid. After oh, the side Tony Oh, right. They had the big they had the big hug, that's right, and he referenced Darby. I mean, other than the face paint and the rafters thing, is there really anything similar about Sting and Darby? Um I think Darby is closer to Raven, mm-hmm. but yeah. the face
4: paint gets you a lot of the way toward all the character was like all it was is a guy in face paint in the rafters so you only have to do one of those things and you're halfway there and then they added the rafters so
3: i'll engage in this I'll provide another example you know how the big thing with sting was he would he was he would come out he would present them with a baseball bat and he turned the back to see if they would hit him or not darby Mm -hmm. that's something that i could see being as uh, a a facet of darby's character like i could see darby like doing Mm -hmm. something like that like I, I get that aspect to it, but I think other than like hammering like the franchise and TNT. Uh, one last thing about the the, the segment: Arn Anderson just showing up in the tracksuit and then leaving, just straight up going like, "All right, I see you. Good to see you, Steve. I'm heading to the back now." It was just well, uh, Arn's just general thing around Sting so far has been interesting.
4: I was I'm pretty down. Like you, you see the difference in like, oh, I'm a performer between. You know, Arn of his age and Sting of his age—it's like, oh, there's a there's a gulf there.
2: Arn Anderson, one year older than Sting. Huh? <laughs> Doesn't that blow your fucking mind?
3: Sting's a straight edger, right? I think he's uh, now he's oh. now sober. Yeah, he's sober now. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a born again guy, right? Yeah, yeah he's. I mean, that's why he did the Christian side hug to Cody. You know, the whole. <laughs> Uh, I, I I I know you know what I'm referring to. Oh,
2: and... I know. I've watched the video many times.
3: <laughs> it, it it's it's something that's like when I say like he seems younger, like he does, like he has like a certain genre de vie that you that is remarkable.
2: Ooh. Oh Mike. I can all say right. fancy
3: words correctly occasionally.
2: Um all right, Team Taz video. He says, Yeah, you know, what a special moment this sting thing was. Last week we're beating the hell out of Kobe and Cody and Darby, and Cody. Uh, Oh,
4: Kobe! Said Kobe. (laughs) This motherfucker Uh, said Kobe.
2: Uh, Ricky says, "Take a good look," and then tells us that Hook, Hook, is now training with Team Taz. Uh, Taz tells us Team Taz is always ready to beat somebody's ass. But the news here was that Hook has jumped from the Nightmare Factory to Team Taz. He wants to be an assassin.
4: Be a big badass stable is great love this stable they only ever had brian cage say one word while ricky and taz just get to tear the mic up uh hook should never talk and just go out and throw suplexes all day long I,
3: I i like how they had ricky wearing a turtleneck and a fur jacket or like a, a wool jacket cutting promos and he had hook next to him looking like a teenage streamer basically like a young startup esports athlete with like the hoodie up and the sling on i was like yeah no no they understand what they're going for with people like this like you can see in wwe someone would be like completely wearing like property property of the of the WWE developmental center and like no this is something where i can imagine like a 19 to 20 year old wearing like this and just brooding into the the camera like hook's gonna be a star he's gonna throw people around did you all see the photo that they posted today
2: of him doing the suplex,
3: yeah, the suplex, and, it, yeah. and this kid's gonna be a monster. It's it's sick.
2: I love the idea that Taz had a son who was a LAX bro. That's just very funny to me. And he named
4: him Hook after Red Hook, Brooklyn.
2: <laughs>
4: it's like, okay, yeah, I'm from Red Hook. Everybody has to know that forever. I'm gonna name my son Hook. Last name Maniac. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that got me. Okay. <laughs> FTR defeated uh the new team of the varsity blondes, Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Cash pinned Pillman after the fake Goodnight Express. After the match, FTR kind of faced off with Jurassic Express at ringside. So I guess we're gonna go back to that.
4: Yeah, no, no time for Brian Pillman, really at all. Uh, but Griff Garrison, I thought, in the first like extended action we've seen him on on Dynamite, not just getting swashed by MJF, uh, I think showed a lot. Tosh Point Bro on Twitter, he of the finding out why a babyface Hogan cheated to win the Royal Rumble, um, pointed out that Griff Garrison has a lot of like young edge energy. And he does remind me of, he's he's, he's, like very long, very like he does the he did that double spear here. And he really kind of moves around the ring like edge. So I think they've they've got something with that guy.
2: Um, Adam Page with alex marvez he's uh you know at the bar as usual uh marvez tells him he has a six-man tag next week against private party and matt hardy but he does not currently have any partners. so what's he going to do uh john silver and alex reynolds pop up from behind the bar and they do a little bit about how long they've been there and uh, they're wearing small cowboy hats and they try to get adam page to let them tag with him and he says no at first but then he changes his mind presumably he realizes he doesn't have any other friends uh, but tells them you know, it's just a one-time thing. John Silver in a cowboy hat. Delivered.
4: Good bit. Good bit. Good rationale. Just a, just a nice little advancement of a pro wrestling angle. Works for everybody.
2: Uh, Dustin Rhodes defeated Ten with the running Bulldog. Uh, after the matches we discussed, Dark Order came out, asked him to join the Dark Order. Uh, sort of a little interesting thing here where Uno's like, You know, you're the third most important roads, so you should uh, come join the Dark Order and uh, get rid of that name and be seven instead. Uh, But Dustin said no.
3: It's, you know, I like how they're kind of building this up in a way. Like it's Dustin having a thing and it's kind of perpetuating things, then until I guess Borderly comes back and then Dustin Reynolds bleeds a lot.
2: Uh, Shaq. Is with Tony Shivani uh, and Brandy Rhodes, of course. Uh, Shaq says the other day I was watching Jade Cargill's interaction with Cody. Says he goes back a long way with Jade, but he didn't really appreciate what she did to Brandy's arm. Uh, Brandy, you know, is hoping Shaq can kind of help her stop this whole thing in its tracks. Uh, Shaq also wants everybody to know that he kind of went at Cody on Twitter, but he was just fucking around. Uh, but, you know, he's really excited for uh, her and Jade, you know, how that's going to go. Brandy and Jade, that is. Brandy goes to leave. Uh, Shaq casually mentions that while Brandy's arm is in a sling, she should watch Jade, and she might get some pointers. Uh, This pisses off Brandy, so she throws a drink on Shaq. He makes a hilarious face, (laughs) and Brandy calls him an overgrown asshole.
4: I like that Shaq. Does that have the exact same energy that he does on the NBA on TNT? Just like, yeah, that's the real guy. That's what he does. Uh, That amused me. I do this kind of You know, the original promo, it it just calls into question the whole original setup for this angle, which was Cody said something about being the giant killer and Jade Cargill took exception to this on her friend Shaq's behalf. But then Shaq doesn't really care, but he is interested to see what happens with Jade and Brandy. It's like, how did did we get to this point? It doesn't really follow from point to point, but I didn't enjoy the water throwing. I liked him being petty and just taking a little dig at her, so... Overall, this kind of worked for me, um, even if that's, you know, just like a weird pro wrestling shortcut they took.
3: Yeah, it, it did feel weird. Like I think that that's fair to say. Like this whole entire segment felt a little weird. Uh, I was amused by Tony schifone having to read all his accomplishments, such as being on the board of directors at Papa John's. I thought that that was pretty funny, but it, it kind of felt felt like this promo was a way for them to get away from. Cody and Shaq and really just be like, Oh, this is now entirely about Jay Cargill versus Brandy Rhodes. Like it did feel like this was like a very strong kind of like coded pivot now. Especially from how that first promo was, Nate, that you were talking about that it was very explicit there that Cody was coming was trying to make a claim at Shaq, and now it's very clearly like Shaq is an onlooker who's kind of an asshole. And it's just kind of weird. But I think I enjoyed it. I like Shaq getting water thrown at him. That was funny.
4: Yeah, I, I didn't expect it. That's mostly what it was. It was like, oh, I didn't really expect Shaq to, to take that. And it happened. So that was surprised me in a good way.
2: Yeah, it's just like, oh, Sting shows up. So here's a segment with Cody. It's like, oh, we're getting Shaq on the show. So here's a segment with Brandy. It's just, it's a little tiring at times.
4: Yeah, I mean... You know, I I said earlier, you know, they could find another place to put another tag division match on the show if.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. The inner circle came out and I do not want to go over this entire uh, segment, like word for word of what happened. But essentially, essentially, not essentially. That's not a word. (laughs) Essentially. uh, Jericho's like, hey, we got to get this all sorted out. A lot of people don't like each other. Uh, Santana didn't even show up for work. Uh, we found out, of course, that Santana's stepfather passed away this week. So that's why he was not on Dynamite this week. Uh, MJF says maybe he's the issue. Um, and he starts to talk about Sammy. And Sammy loses his cool. And as they said earlier, Jericho's like, hey, you know, we all watch Dynamite. We know what MJF did. He took the towel from Wardlow. And then Ortiz comes across. is like, hey, I don't know. Maybe we should try to work this out. So Sammy's deal is like, fine. I will do this, but if one more thing happens, I'm going to quit the inner circle. So we continue to plant those little seeds for Sammy. Then they do a thing with Wardlow and Jake Hager about how they've been staring at each other. And uh, they agree they're going to stop. And, of course, they keep, like, one eye on the other. It's pretty. That was pretty funny, honestly. Uh, And then MJF tries to sell the main event, but Jericho doesn't like him doing that.
4: Yeah, I just want to reiterate, Wardlow... Yeah, like two lines in here, and he had that same really good, like incredulous energy. Remember when like Batista was getting run out of the WWE like for his first run and he was like in a wheelchair and like mad about everything? It just like was outperforming everybody on a comic level by like yeah, by like uh you know five orders of magnitude. That's that's the vibe I got from Wardlow here. Um so yeah, that that got they gotta protect that guy because he's like burgeoning superstar
3: I I like how everyone in the inner circle is like we love Wardlow like they're all about it they're all about Wardlow and it's easy to like see why and he did he did definitely get uh uh Dave Batista being mad about his feud with Ray Mysterio getting run out of WWE energy and I was a fan of it
2: I'm just gonna say I remember the discourse about how oh they've made Sammy too silly and it's like Sammy is the star of this group at this point, Sammy is the one. Jericho probably going to put him over eventually. And Sammy's going to walk away from the inner circle as the biggest star. So I think all that was uh, very premature. Alex Marvez is with FTR. Cash says he's taking full responsibility for losing the titles because he tried to beat the Young Bucks at their own game. Uh, Tully says, don't worry about that. I wasn't there. We're invincible when our whole team is together. And then Dax does some dumb car Uh, thing that I just didn't really get or understand or care about. All right. The Butcher and the Blade and Eddie Kingston defeated the Lucha Rose and Lance Archer. Uh, Blade pinned Phoenix after full death. Of course, this became a a handicap match uh, because Penta was out of it early. Uh, After the match, Lance Archer attacked Eddie and the Butcher and the Blade, uh, but the Butcher saved the Blade before he could get the... What's the move that Archer does? What's the name of that move? The blackout. 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 Before you yeah. can do that, uh, the Butcher saved him.
3: Fun fun match. I'm not really much of a handicap match person, but they worked that really well. And, you know, Archer as, like, a hot tag is really fun. Like, that was the thing. Like, Archer clearing house afterwards was really, really cool. Like, this is, like, Lance Archer that, la- that kind of pulls your eye and not, like, the weird promos. So, I was for this.
2: Uh, then we see backstage Jade Cargill and Nyla are beating up Red Velvet. Uh Big Swole, I believe, Eva and Serena Deeb all intervened. Uh yeah, that was that was basically it. That was this little segment. At least we know that Red Velvet's still affiliated with, with Brandy. Yes. Although she didn't get to, you know, get the rub in the shack segment. No, not at all. Bummer. Uh Abaddon, the controversial Abaddon, the Sheened defeated Tesha Price with uh, the Widow's Peak. Uh, After the match, Abaddon kept beating up Tesha. Sheeta came out to make the save, hit her right in the middle of the head with a kendo stick, but then Abaddon did the Undertaker and shot right up. Whenever somebody does this now, all I can think about is that Undertaker-Brock match where they shot up and then uh, laughed in each other's face and they looked insane. That was good. Uh, Dasha is with the inner circle backstage he says, so you all are on the same page now. Jericho says, yes, that's why we're going to join MJF and Wardlow at ringside tonight to make sure MJF beats Orange Cassidy. Uh, after that, Kenny Omega and Don Callis arrived in a helicopter. I guess we should talk about impact a little bit. They had their, uh, highest reading ever on access TV this week. Yeah. Uh,
3: and highest, uh, Demo as well. Of course, this is from Access versus all the other stations we've been on.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously from last week, they were going to be on Impact this week. Um, You know, because I care about our listeners so much, I watched two hours of Impact Wrestling to see all the AEW segments. Basically, you got throughout the show, uh, Impact constantly putting over AEW as like a real wrestling promotion with real stars as compared to Impact. Uh, We had Tony Khan do a uh, quote unquote paid ad, you know, which was obviously like a little bit where he just buried Impact the whole time. And like he and Tony Schiavone made jokes about Impact. And then at the end, Josh Matthews interviewed um, Kenny and Don Callis in their bus, the Lex Express. And basically, Don Callis cut the promo he cut on this show. That was the same thing uh kenny omega did a, a little bit of a different promo certainly what he did on this show was much better than what he did on impact but it's basically just setting up this you know rick flair heel thing where they've been planning this for years now they're taking over uh aw that's basically it. what i'm saying is if you didn't watch impact uh you didn't miss anything well
3: you missed a lot a lot of weirdness apparently but, oh
2: you missed a lot because there was a great tommy dreamer larry d angle that happened on that show but you didn't <laughs> miss anything aw related
3: yeah uh it, it's something that like with this angle and i like how it's kind of executed it's very clearly coded what they're doing it's not necessarily like a very nebulous kenny omega thing is they're running back like the nick Ball Quinkle thing and uh on impact he made a big deal about becoming a belt collector and I wonder if that's going to play into Saturday at uh, Triple Mania, where he's defending the AAA Mega Championship, and he made a reference that he could take their title belt here this time. It I, I was wondering what your thoughts about this. They made a very apparent kind of reference about he planted the seed so he can do his own kind of nepotism, and I don't know how I kind of feel. Uh, like they've always like made it very apparent that this is like a family promotion. It's like their family isn't like this, but. Just like the way that it, other than like it was a good heel kind of line to do, I don't know how I feel about like this being the justification for this. It's like, oh, I waited years because cause we're all doing nepotism, but I just want to do it my way. I don't know how effective that line was for Kenny.
2: I don't know, but I did like the thing where Don Callis was like, I don't know why Tony Khan is upset. You just got your first lesson in the wrestling business, kid. I thought that was pretty good. Like, that's a good way of kind of tying this all together. Like, I worked you. And that's kind of what Kenny also worked into his promo, which is like, you know, we were setting this up for everybody. We just needed everybody to fall for it. You know, John Moxley fell for it. Uh, so I thought that was good. Uh, and then they broke out, you know, they're, they're really selling that he's bringing back the cleaner character by doing the goodbye and good night thing. Yeah, I don't know, Mike. They're, they certainly are suggesting that they're going to be bringing in people or something. And uh, we haven't seen any of that yet. I don't know if it's going to be the Good Brothers, the North, uh, to give them the, the Canadian vibe uh that's if you don't uh follow the north that Josh Alexander and all ego Ethan Page uh who is certainly teasing that he's leaving impact so that's a possibility but yeah i don't know what they're going to do
4: yeah i'm not like i don't know the details of what they're doing and how this occurred and how this is some long-term plan don't really uh compute to me in any sort of satisfying way i guess but Honestly, I think just the Don Callis just being like such a having such a like worker sleaze ball wrestling carny guy energy and and being so collected in that character uh makes all his promos seem like they're telling you a reasonable explanation, even though I don't really think that they are. Uh and I thought this was a really strong promo from Kenny. He's just better when he does these straight ahead promos now. He's uh you know, doesn't delve into that super unnatural voice that he does sometimes. Um, and his, he has like the weird sort of energy that makes him just feel like more of a star instead of just a weirdo. That's like a fine line, but it, it's working for him right now, I think. So yeah, I was satisfied with the promos. Uh, the content of them was just like, yeah, I don't, you know, it's not like Kenny didn't bring in Michael Nakazawa as like a nepotism guy when he started the promotion. Um, I don't really understand what the sort of long term play here is supposed to be, but you know, it kind of it, it only matters to the extent that you want it to matter as a wrestling fan. Uh I do think having Don Callis as a manager works great for like, oh no, he's the heel. He's not like, oh, he's the cleaner now, he's the cool heel who we're all gonna cheer and is effectively a babyface. It's like, no, he's he's a heel. He's got this like, you know, slime ball with him. Uh and, and it's a good I think it's a good act with them together.
2: And in the main event for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, MJF defeated Orange Cassidy when Miro interfered, clotheslined, Orange. Uh then Miro just dripped out in his Versace X Jaguars uh shirt, uh crew neck sweater, uh just killed fucking everybody, man, and went off, uh, went crazy. And, uh, you know, just reminded everybody that he's a big, huge star.
3: Miro sick as hell, like just completely just came out here, posting stuff on Twitch, posting videos right afterwards. And he is not in the match that was set next week, which is very interesting.
2: Uh, yeah, so if you are a big fan of the show and you want to support it, we'd love for you to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. That's the best way to support Our show, this is, what, our 102nd uh, free episode that we put out. So we'd love you to go check out our Patreon, subscribe. There's three tiers. The middle tier, the $5 tier gets you all the audio we've uh, ever done and the audio that we'll be doing uh, this month. Uh, This week, we had the Big Everything Elite Awards nomination show where we went through all the big categories for the year, uh, made some nominations. If you are a patron at any level, you can vote on those uh, awards. Over, we got all the Mike put all the posts up. Everybody got emails about them. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. We'll, we'll do a show later, uh, probably around Christmas. Maybe we'll we'll do a, a show where we talk about who won all those awards uh, next week. Mike, I know you got a a big show planned for this week.
3: Yeah, so this is in the can. Uh, this is. A really fun show. Uh, we're going back into the Everything Elite Extended universe. I have a special guest this week that I sat down and talked to for a little over an hour. It is Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics fame. And we, we talked all about uh, the wrestling landscape. We talked about a bunch about the indie uh, situation. Of course, with Brandon being an independent wrestler himself, it was interesting kind of getting a talk from someone who was who's a part of like a burgeoning scene and is a known quantity on the indies. I mean, he was someone that was all over beyond wrestling with the, uh, I forgot what their, what their series was called. I apologize. Uh, but it was a really cool talk. We talked about business. We talked about what people should think about when watching wrestling, if you're thinking about things from an economic stance. Talked about pay-per-views. Talked about an article he wrote that was called uh, There Is No Popular Wrestling.
2: Uncharted waters or something. Uncharted territory. Uncharted, Uncharted territory. territory. Yes, he was on Beyond when, Wrestling. When you Uncharted. said that. Remind, I've learned, I remembered it when you said right, that. Right.
3: Yeah. So it was really fun, and that'll be up
2: on Monday. All right, I'm looking forward to that myself. Uh, we also do a weekly show called Light, where Mike and I preview Dynamite, uh, review Dark. This week we reviewed Impact, and uh, Nate gets us caught up on all the uh, the vlog content, mostly BTE, but sometimes other vlogs as well, including the Sammy vlog. Uh, we also have a Discord, so come join that. Chat with us during Dark, during Dynamite and just whenever else you want to. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, here's what's coming up on Dynamite next week. It's going to be a live show. We have the Adam Page, uh, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds versus Private Party and Matt Hardy match. The Acclaimed versus SCU. Serena Deeb and Big Swole versus Ivelisse and Diamante. I guess that's kind of building up out of the jade cargill uh red velvet thing that was going on backstage and then a big huge match uh seven or a 14 man tag match i guess inner circle jericho sammy sammy hager you've written here just oh funny. i didn't realize that <laughs> i i i mean yeah you know you separated them with commas but it's just right, funny to yes. read. sammy jake hager uh proud and powerful mjf and wardlow versus the best friends top flight varsity blondes and brandon cutler what a team that second team is Real uh, real home army hours. <laughs> uh, and they also told us that, you know, they laid out the schedule for the rest of the year. December 23rd is going to be at 10 p.m. or immediately following Celtics Bucks. So, woof, who knows when that one's going to start. Uh, then there's going to be a show on, on the 30th, New Year's Smash Night 1. And then the next week on January 6th, New Year's Smash Night 2 with Snoop Dogg making an appearance, uh, apparently irritating the WWE by making set appearance. So, that's always good. Snoop Dogg's going big. He is. He is. He's yes, of course he's also on the the Go Big Show. So, he's doing that. But I yeah, I guess they're not actually taking a day or uh, you know a show off for the holidays this year, so we'll be here.
3: Yeah, I thought that I didn't know with the NBA schedule if they're going to take off the week because last year they took it off because of the Christmas story marathons. So,
2: yeah, so I probably won't watch that one until Thursday, if I had to guess, Thursday morning. Anyway, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here?
3: Uh, any game award announcements, Nate?
4: No. Oh, yes, probably. Uh, my boss started texting me about some stupid things, so I got distracted, unfortunately, from uh, the thing that was distracting me from the podcast. So, it was, <laughs> you know, uh, multiple levels of distraction. Um, there's an explosion happening. There's a rocket launcher. So nothing AEW related. Sadly, the, uh, the AEW game did not rate a games awards feature presentation.
3: Todd, why don't you have him on here? Todd, come on. Is Todd still doing the show?
4: Todd Howard.
3: Well, what's the other guy? The other Todd, not Todd Howard, the head of Bethesda, but there's Todd the, uh... I think. no, is Jeff, Jeff, I was just thinking about Jeff. Sorry. Jeff
4: Keely. Yeah. Jeff's doing the show. It's all, it's all the Jeff show. You know, Jeff's, Jeff's really half the draw. So. Right. Because he's so charming.
2: All right. Well, if you want to hear more about <laughs> Jeff and Todd, head over to at everything AEW. <laughs> follow our Twitter account. Uh, I'm at Aaron Like the Car, Nate's Adipitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the show, please. Give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, tell a friend about the show. Go over to my bookie use the promo code elite. Uh, and most importantly, of all that I've told you on this whole episode, go to patreon.com slash everything elite and smash that subscribe button. Uh, All right. I think that's it for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.